Good evening. It's really good to be with you and uh, to, to see many of you again. Some of you I, I'm sure I haven't met yet, but uh, it's always good to be with the congregation here and uh, see the, the good work that you are doing and to talk about the work of the Lord in South Africa. I was told to give a very short report on South Africa and then preach a lesson. I was not told it was supposed to be a short lesson, so hope you don't have any plans. <laughs> so we, we are in the country of South Africa, which is a country that's at the bottom of the continent. Uh, I th imagine most of you here probably know ab about South Africa more than some because Brother Klein has been over there a few times. Uh, I'm not going to go through this, but this is just sort of a, a weekly schedule that uh, would be normal for me, and this would not be abnormal, this type of schedule for most preachers that are working there. I uh, have a study generally every day of the week, although Saturdays are hit or miss as to whether the students are available, and sometimes I have to do something as well, but, but most of the time it's either an online class or in person, uh, but we, we have uh, studies, and we, on Sundays, I preach at one of around five different congregations on a normal basis. Uh, it shows you those five congregations where they are. We live in Ashawi, so that's the one in red there. There's about 55 people in that congregation, and then I work with one uh, north of us in Nongoma, there's three of us from Ashawi that take turns going there to preach. There's only around 10, sometimes 15, depending on who's there uh, from, you know, some travel out for work, some go to school and then come back. But uh, it's not a big congregation, but it's been there for a while, and we, we help out with that. And then uh, there's a congregation, two of them are around Durban, Pine Town, and Unit 9 in Chatsworth that, that we uh, work with. We, there's only five members in Pinetown now. Um, one of them had a heart attack last week, I believe, but last I heard he's, he's doing okay. And uh, then in, in Unit 9 in Chatsworth, uh, there's about 22 members there. And then every once in a while we go down to Uvongo, uh, where there's around 12 uh, members this just gives you a little bit of a picture of uh, some of these congregations. This is Ashawi, where, where we're members, where we live. And this was back when my grandfather was still alive. And my, my cousin was visiting, so his uh, two oldest children are in this picture as well. But uh, my, my family are now the only white people there. But there are some uh, colored brethren, which is the, what's the term for the mixed race people in South Africa. It's not a racial slur there. Uh, but most of the congregation are Zulus. And, uh, and so we mostly work through interpreters there. The church at Nongoma, uh, that's north of us, uh, we meet in a creche, which means a daycare center. And uh, this is uh, a good day when there were more people there than normal. And then this is the church at Pinetown. The one in the middle there is Moses. He's actually from Ashawi, 
and uh, he just happened to be working there and, and uh, was there on this day. But the three on the left and the two on the right are the actual members of that congregation, uh, the, the Lakrajas and the Groves. And I didn't get a picture of the church at Unit 9, unfortunately, but there's about 22 people there. At Uvongo, the, it's a smaller congregation, but they actually, it's two that merged. One of them was uh, connected with institutional things and organizations in South Africa, but they didn't really, they weren't doing any of it. They're just associated with it. And so they decided they could join together and not participate in those things and then have Mike Hrunewald and Kanyile Majola do all the teaching and preaching and they were the ones from the the non-institutionally connected congregation. So uh, they do a lot of work there um, and uh, and do a good job. The the cross, they, they, they told me to, to make sure I say that the cross in the background is not theirs, it's a rented place. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, it just happens to be in the room that they, they rent. And these are uh, pictures of some of the, the classes. Uh, this is a, our Monday night class. We normally do it online, but we try once a quarter to meet in person. Brother Klein has been uh, with this, this particular group before and taught. Uh, but uh, it's mostly two families that are related to each other. I guess three now, because two of them got married and formed their own family. But... Uh, this is when my cousin was there as well with his kids. But um, the, the young lady on the, the front right, Jezzy, she has a lot of health problems, but uh, we had good news today that she's got an appointment with a cardiologist. They're trying to figure out what's causing her problems. She's had diabetes, and that's now in remission. So that's, that's great. Uh, on Tuesdays in uh, a place called Moccasini, a rural area, I teach a class... Uh, where it's mostly non-Christians, but Siabonga Longa, that's in the, the blue uh, box there, he's my interpreter, and he went out this past week to baptize the girl who's in red, uh, Nolwazi, and so that was great news for us. I, I believe some of the Christians that know her were continuing to work on her, even though we haven't been having classes for a couple of months, so, so that's been great. And uh, on Fridays, I teach the young people in Ashawi, so that's some of them there. Brittany's able to, to do some teaching. Uh, she does an online ladies' class. She, she used to do it in person, but it, because of, you know, the COVID, I guess, is part of it, but then just because of distance and things like that, it was hard to get the ladies to actually meet together. So she started teaching online, and that way more of the ladies that are spread out could be part of those classes, and that seems to be working fairly well. Uh, so she does that every second Saturday of the month, and she's also become more involved in teaching the children in Ashawi and other places when she has opportunity. And uh, so these are pretty clever kids, and even some of the neighbor kids have started to come to the classes uh, they don't bring their parents, they just come. <laughs> uh, and, but they, they seem to be pretty well behaved, so it, it works out well. We've had a few special opportunities of going other places as well. I was asked to participate in a lectureship in Deep Kloof, which is part of Soweto around Johannesburg. And uh, I was 
given the, the topic of the one baptism, which we had lots of questions about. Um, and, but in this picture, you have Prince Ramiera, who's from Vinda, which is northern South Africa. And he was given the topic of the one name of the church. And I don't know what the congregation thought he was going to preach about that, but he did a really good job talking about how Jesus never gave his church a name. But there's lots of descriptions of the church, and he looked at each one to talk, talk about what we can learn about the church from those descriptions. And it did a really excellent job. And this is just a picture of the group that was there at that lectureship. There were about 200, uh, they estimated, on the first day and maybe 150 uh, the second day. But we've been losing a few preachers in South Africa. This was Tim and Kosi Aplaney. Uh, we lost him to the world, unfortunately. He became a politician and was lying to churches that were supporting him. We didn't know he was a member of Parliament of South Africa for a couple of years. Um, and then finally, uh, he actually apparently committed suicide. And uh, it was really, really sad. We were, I was a friend of his. We'd worked together a number of times. But I don't really know how he ended up drifting that far without anybody knowing. We've also lost Brother uh, Brian Allen in Port Elizabeth. He's there in the middle in this picture. He passed away a few months ago. And Norman Simon as well. He was, on, he was having trouble for a long time with a, a disease that, uh, that uh, just took away his abilities. Uh, so he hasn't been able to preach for quite a while, but he, he also passed away not long after Brother uh, Brian Allen passed away from a brain tumor. And then my grandfather has now passed away. He was almost 93, and uh, had, he was not preaching much anymore. He wasn't going out to preach very often, but he still was teaching classes pretty regularly until about six weeks before he died. So that was uh, good for him to be able to do that and good for the congregation as well. Uh, but now we, we've lost him. So we've, we've lost a few preachers in the country recently. And uh, Brother Ligon, if you know of him, he's also in his 90s. He has dementia so he's no longer able to preach either. But others have started preaching. Some uh, I've heard of, some I don't know very well, but some have started doing full-time preaching up in the Johannesburg area in particular. I know of some. And uh, some others have just started stepping up more and, and preaching more. We have some in Ashawi, like Siobonga Longa, my interpreter at the Tuesday class, uh, when I was coming over, he asked, you know, is there anything else I need to do for you? I said, go, go and preach for my turn at Nongoma. And I was joking with him, but he said, okay, great, I'll do that. And he did. And some others have done that as well. So that, that's been great. Uh, and, uh, and so we're, we have others that even if they don't do pulpit preaching, they're working really hard to convert people that they come in contact with. And so we're, we do have workers that are stepping up. Uh, we need more, as we do everywhere, but, uh, but it's, it is good that we can see that. All right, one, uh, one of the final things I want to say on this is Brother Luckraj in Pinetown said to make sure that I invite uh, brethren to come. And especially, he, he would like somebody to come work with him for however long you can. 
he, he's unemployed at the moment, uh, and so he can take you around, and uh, he doesn't think he's very effective, but he thinks if, if some mature brethren from here would come, people would be willing to listen at least, uh, and, and he, you know, could get their, their foot in the door. Uh, I don't know, but that's, that's what he believes, and so that very well may be true. So if that's something you'd be interested in, Come. Uh, and you don't have to do that in particular. If you want to come, just come, and we'll be happy to have you, and we'll find something that you will be able to do that will be very useful, I'm sure. All right, so that, that's the report part. But what about, we've been talking about people who are working in spreading the word and in preaching the gospel, but what about those that can't do that? There are men who are not really capable of getting up and preaching or even leading singing or something like that. And there's, of course, women who are prohibited from doing that no matter how capable they are. So are they actually worth anything to the church? Or is it just, you know, the, the people that stand up in front, like Brother Klein and, and uh, the elders and, and people like us, that are we the ones that are really worth something? But, I, you know, when we talk about teaching, there's really a lot to do that's not in the assembly, isn't there? We, we read in Titus chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5 that the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now here there's a, a particular category of person that is given a, a task by God. And that is the older women. And I, there's not many, you know, if I asked you to raise your hand if you're an older woman, I don't know how many people would raise their hand. People don't like to be considered an older woman. But if you're older than another woman, you're an older woman, aren't you? All right, so he says, this is your task. You are to teach good things. And then he gives some specifics. And the specifics that he gives, when we start focusing in on those, we start seeing why he gives this task to older women. To love their husbands. Now, can Brother Klein get up here and tell you that you should love your husbands? I, I can do that. I can tell you. I'll tell you right now, you should love your husbands. But can I teach you how to love your husbands like an older woman can? Not at all. Even an older man cannot do that. An older woman has had to love their husband when he is unlovable. Right? He, she has had to go through some difficult times. And now she knows how to explain to a younger woman, this is how you do it. The, the, the man who gets up and preaches, well, that's necessary. We need to tell you what the Word of God says, but we cannot tell you these things in the way that an older woman can. We need older women teaching younger women these things. That is extremely valuable. To love their children. Uh, do any men here love their children? No? Of course, of course we do. But 
we don't love our children the same way that mothers do, right? It's a little bit different because of the way we interact with our children is different. And so it's not that we love them less, it's just different. But we can't teach the, the women how to love their children as well as an older woman can, can do that. Yes, you need to use the word of God, obviously, and the men have access to that just as much as the women. But there's also wisdom involved here. There's experience involved here. And that's why he's giving the task to older women. Uh, to be discreet, chaste. I mean, those are things that, yes, we can talk about those things. But there's a lot of detail in those things about how to be discreet and chaste. That even if the men know it, it's not necessarily appropriate that we talk to the younger women about those things but for the older women it is appropriate and it's necessary we need that you know the preacher can preach all day long about modesty and it may not do a thing but when the older women start taking the younger women aside and saying here's why here's what you need to do here's the specifics that can have an impact when, when you talk about behavior, how do, you, how do you keep yourself pure? When the man is behaving like this, what do you do? You know, that's something older women should be able to talk through with the younger women. We need that. The homemakers. Yeah, there are men who work at the house, but, but it's just different. The, the work that God has given and so women, older women, generally have experience in these things that men don't have. They can do this teaching. So you, do you see how important and how valuable this work is? Older women, yeah, you, you don't get to stand up here and preach, but you don't need to. You have extremely valuable work to do that the preacher can't do. We need that. And there's a lot of work to be done in the church besides public speaking. Uh, not talking about public leading, but just work for the church. In Romans 16, there's a lot of greetings, but at the beginning of, of chapter 16, he says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Now, we're not told what specifically Phoebe did as a servant of the church. We know she was not a preacher because that would violate 1 Corinthians 14. But what we do know is that she was busy helping the church. She was considered a servant of the church. And whatever she was doing on, in traveling to Rome... She was still being a servant of the church, and he says to assist her, receive her in a way that's, that's worthy uh, of the saints. It, can you, does this not sound like what Paul would say about a preacher? Receive him in a way worthy of the saints, help him in whatever he needs. It's pretty similar to what he says about Timothy, but he's not talking about a preacher, is he? He's talking about a sister 
who is working for the church. She's worthy of assistance. She's worthy of, of, of help in whatever business she's on for the church. This is important work, whatever it is. Uh, some think that she was delivering the letter. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, but she's doing something, and she's done other things in the past. We're not going to read all of it, but he talks about Priscilla and Aquila, and he calls both of them his fellow workers in Christ Jesus. He talks about how they risked their necks for him, and everybody, all the churches of the Gentiles were thankful to both of them. The man and the woman, right? It's not just the man who is getting the thanks here. You get down to verse 6. There's Mary who labored much for us. Some translations say for you. But she labored much. Uh, when you get down to verse 12, Tryphena and Tryphosa. And I looked that up and it says that those are women's names. <laughs> I wouldn't know otherwise. But it says they have labored in the Lord. And Persis also is apparently a woman's name who labored much in the Lord. That's what it sounds, you would think that's what he was talking about is this is a preacher, right? But it's not. He's not talking about a preacher. He's talking about somebody who's doing just as valuable work as a preacher. So what work is there to do if we get specific? Besides the preaching and teaching and the assembly. And if we could include, you know, leading singing and prayers and all of those things too. But what else is there? Colossians 4 verse 12 talks about a man, Epaphras. And it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. He calls prayer here labor. At least one translation translates it as wrestling for you in prayers. But this is hard work. I don't normally think of prayer as hard work. But you know what? I don't pray like he was praying either when I don't think of it as hard work. There are people who know how to put their energy into prayer for somebody else. I've heard the term prayer warrior. I'm sure you've heard that. I'm not sure if that's a, exactly a biblical term, but that's kind of the same idea here, isn't it? Laboring hard in prayer. But you're just talking, right? You're just talking to God. It, it can be done privately. How can that be an important thing? Well, it's important because God is listening. Because he actually acts when people pray. And this is important work. This is extremely important. Uh, in 1 Timothy 5, it, it talks about some of the things that the widows, the widows indeed, that can be put on the list, some of the things that they did that were good works. He says in verses 9 and 10, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works. So here's some specifics of the good works that she has been doing. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. So does he, does he list here the things that stand out 
in the church as, you know, people getting up and doing things in front of everybody? No, because there's so much more that needs to be done than preaching and teaching. Those are important, but they're important because they're preparing us to do these things, right? Bringing up children. How many of the people who are bringing up children think, I can't do the work of God because I'm so busy bringing up my kids? He says that is the work of God. That is the work you're supposed to be doing. That is good work. That's something that's very valuable in the kingdom of God. Bringing up children is, is necessary. If you neglect your children to go out teaching, we've seen how that happens. Right? You know, what happens when people do that? It's not good. God wants us to bring up children. And in this particular case, it's the ladies in particular that he's talking about having done this valuable work. Lodged strangers or shown hospitality. Taking people into your home. They might be Christians, but often people will take Christians into their home that they don't know. And sometimes it may not even be Christians, just people that are in need of a place. Well, that's something you do, and maybe nobody else in the congregation even knows you did it, right? But it's valuable work. It's, it's something that God looks at as something that, that, that is good work. It's something needed in the kingdom. Washing the saints' feet, you know, that's basically doing work that you might not like doing, but that's needed, to help somebody else. Yeah, we don't need to wash our feet that much anymore. I've had my foot washed once in Nigeria. Uh, just one foot, because that's the one that stepped in the sewage. <laughs> and the preacher's wife grabbed a bottle of water and washed my foot off. Well, that's, that's what the picture is, isn't it? It's, it's washing the saint's feet is... When you see a need, even if it's kind of a humiliating thing or something that is not fun to do, you just go in and you do it. And of course, people do this with their parents, don't they? They, they take care of their, their ailing parents. They take care of their children this way. But I think there are many who take care of others this way as well, especially among the saints, the family of God, and relieving the afflicted. Seeing people suffering and figuring out, what can I do to help them? That's valuable work. Don't think that that takes second class to preaching and teaching. It does not. It's just as valuable in the kingdom of God. When we talk about the body of Christ... There's not any vestigial organs in the body of Christ. Every part is needed. Every part is necessary for the proper functioning. In 1 Corinthians 12, he, he talks about the body. And he says in verses 14 through 30, it's hard to cut out any of this because it's also so good. <laughs> so let's just read, read through here. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if we pause there, you can see, you might feel sometimes like you're inadequate because you don't do the other things that other people do. But he says, even if you think that, it does not make you any less part of the body. And you need to, to start thinking about your own body. How, how important is every part? Would you want to do without any of it? No. What you do in the body of Christ, if you are doing in the body of Christ, is necessary. It's valuable. And it's how God wants it to be. From verse 19, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Do you see what he's saying here? He, you, know, you can get a lesson about modesty out of this, but that's not what we're talking about right now. But he's saying there's parts of our body that we show greater honor to by covering them up. And he says, that's what we need to do with the members of Christ's body that seem to be weaker. Those that may not do the things that look important, we need to cover them with honor. <laughs> we need to make sure we have the same kind of care one for another and not think that there's certain clergy, people that actually are more important in the body than others. We need to have the same care for one another. From verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing, helps administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now here he's talking about specifically spiritual gifts, primarily, although teachers doesn't necessarily fall into that category. But what's the, what's the general point? There's nobody who does it all. If you have to be an apostle to be important in the body, none of us are important. If you have to be a prophet, none of us are important. If you have to be a teacher, well, same idea, right? We have teachers today. But if you're not a teacher, that doesn't make you unimportant. Not everybody is supposed to be a teacher, at least not in a public sense. There's so many things that 
a particular person cannot do, at least cannot do well. We need the whole body. We need everybody functioning. In Romans 12, it talks about a very similar thing. But here he's going to mention also some specific things that are not the miraculous spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, beginning in verse 3, he says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another." Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now that one is obviously a miraculous type of spiritual gift, but that's the only one in this list like that. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then he, he talks about, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. These last things here, especially, it seems, are part of the list that he did before, right? Hospitality, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving with liberality. And yet he says everybody needs to be doing those things. But he's, what he's saying is there are some who can do it even more than others. Have you ever known somebody who's just really good with hospitality? I think probably all of us can think of somebody who's just really good with hospitality. Yeah, that's, that's not something that's a strong point for me. I'm not great at hospitality. I can have people in my home, but I don't know how to make them feel welcome like a lot of people do. And... That's an important skill. That's an important gift, he calls it here. You can, of course, increase your ability in that, and I hope I do. But we need these people who are good with that. We need people who are very generous in their giving. We need the people who are good at teaching, exhorting, leading, showing mercy. These are really important things in the body of Christ. Yes, all of us should hopefully have a little bit, at least, of all these things in us. But he says we have different levels according to the grace God has given us. So whatever you have as your strong suit, use it to, to build each other up. And he says in honor giving preference to one another. Those that maybe they, they seem to be weaker in their abilities, show them honor. Make them understand that what they're doing, what they can do, is important in the body. We need all of these things. 
The church needs the evangelists. It needs the elders and the teachers. Uh, that's obvious. But the point of those is to build up the body so that it, we can actually do the work that God wants us to do, right? That's, that's the teaching part. And teaching without executing is, is worthless, right? It's like faith without works is dead. Learning without works is dead. We need those who show hospitality. We need those that take care of the needs of the saints. We need those who bring up children. And we even need those who do the physical and the technical labor. I know that wasn't listed in the verses. But that's just as, as true, isn't it? The, those that, that take care of physical needs of, of the the building where the church needs to meet, that's important work. Those that do the technical stuff, that's important. Somebody might be able to write a correspondence course but not be able to type it up, right? <laughs> that's important work. We need people who are able to do all these different things. And when we work together as one body, we should be loving each other, honoring each other, and the Lord should be glorified as the head that has set all of that in motion and has given each one of us our abilities. What about you tonight? Are you working in the body? Are you even part of the body? The body of Christ is important because it's important to Christ. He died to save all of us. And when we are saved, he adds us to his body. And that means that we're supposed to work as part of his body then. Are you part of the body? If you're not, you're missing out. We're talking about work, but there's no better work than what we have in Christ, what he has given us to do. You're wasting your life if you're working for other things and not working for the Lord and for his kingdom, for his body. Don't waste your life. If you need to be baptized into Christ, you can do that tonight. And if you're part of his body but you're not acting like it, if you're malfunctioning and you're not contributing to the work, think about it. Don't think that you don't have anything that you can do. God says he's, he's given each one according to his will. And yes, that may be especially focused on the miraculous spiritual gifts, but we also see there in Romans that we have abilities that he gives us as well. Let's use them for his good, for our good, for the good of each one of us. And let's encourage one another when you see somebody doing something good, tell them. Help them know that's important work. If you need to do anything tonight to ask for, for help or prayers or anything, why don't you come down to the front while we stand and sing.